From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Good morning. I'm Malcolm White here with my sidekick and best friend, Carol Puckett. And if there's one thing we know about, it's there's nothing better than a home-cooked meal. Today in the studio, we have one of our favorite home cooks, Leanne Galt, a Delta girl who spends her week as a tech geek in Jackson and her weekends as an instructor at the Viking Cooking School in Greenwood. And somewhere in between, she finds time and great joy in cooking at home. It's her passion, her therapy, and her gift to family and friends who are fortunate enough to sit around her table. During the show, we will talk to her about her favorite method of cooking in the kitchen, the new thing happening, sheet pan cooking. If you want to join the conversation, we're at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett on this Monday morning. We hope you're off to a swell week. It's a little bit overcast, a little bit gray, but hey, it's a good time to be at home cooking in your own kitchen. And that's where I wish I was right now. Instead of being here with us? Oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm just planning ahead. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Mal. Hey, Carol, it's been a while. I've been missing you. I've been missing you. So you've been traveling. Yeah, let's see. I've been to South Carolina since we talked, and I've been to Tupelo. Um, And you've been off somewhere. Costa Rica. Costa Rica, yeah. Well, Well, you're a rambling man, and I'm a rambling gal. Let's see. In South Carolina, I had some good crab cakes and a good flounder. Uh, And in Tupelo, I ate a great dinner uh, at uh, Kermit's Outlaw Kitchen downtown, and I had this uh, fire-roasted salmon with these roasted potatoes and roots and vegetables with a uh, some kind of a a confit that was really good. I think it was made out of beets, but either way, Kermit's got it going on up in downtown Tupelo. So that was a that was a great run. Well, how about South Carolina? Did you have any mustard-based barbecue sauce? No, we were out on some uh, island where we had this uh, retreat for South Arts, and we just we ate in the facilities that were there. It was there. like hotel food. And, yeah, it was kind of upscale. No low country cooking for no. you. No, and, and I had to rush in and rush out, unfortunately. But I do love the low country uh, foods, the the galagichi, the galagichi. Uh, but uh, no, this was a fly-in. It was business. Fly out, eat a flounder, be lucky you got it. What about yeah. you? Well, I had the joy of going to Costa Rica with uh, a few friends. Um, <coughs> uh, Melody Golding from Vicksburg was uh, great was my hostess. Yeah, she's a great photographer. Has done some <coughs> wonderful books. Her last book was about riverboat captains. Yeah, I love yeah, that Yeah, she's a great girl. Anyway, we we covered Costa Rica. We started up in the rainforest, flew into Liberia, and then headed up to the rainforest <laughs> and, um, you know, saw the volcano and the jungle and went on a hike that went over 17 
um, chain bridges. Oh. And it, you know, it was pretty awesome, but the food there was fantastic. I bet. I've never been. It, it's not a spicy <clears throat> cuisine, but it has a lot of the same characteristics of other Central American food. But of course, my favorite thing is they eat beans and rice all the time. And uh, I'm a beans and rice person. Like a Cuban type. Yeah, and they eat, it, they eat it for breakfast. I mean, Gallo Pinto is breakfast beans and rice, but it'll turn up. Are there Everywhere. eggs involved or just beans and rice? Just beans and rice involved, but I, I think you could throw mm-hmm. on an egg or two. Well, I eat eggs with beans and rice all the time. That I, Beans and rice are one of my favorite breakfast side dishes, uh, black beans primarily, though I like pintos and all other styles. But uh, I can get it. My, my grandfather used to fry eggs and put it over rice and made eggs and rice, which was a very standard dish in our, our home growing up. The beans came later for me. Well, in Costa Rica, they also had amazing fruits. Golly. A lot of things I hadn't seen, or you know, I had run into somewhere else in the world, but not in the not in the U.S. But um, one thing I really loved: there were coconuts everywhere. Yeah, and coconut milk There's that you can do all sorts of stuff milk. with. Coconut milk. There's coconut. I think ice coconut cream. milk is coming in its own here in this country. Oh yeah, coconut milk, coconut water, mm-hmm. and you know my favorite thing, of course, was coco loco what that had some rum in it. Oh, mm. I had a loco few. When you I had a the... few few of those, a few rum punches. Uh huh. But um, had some uh, mamone, some uh, sour sop, some loquats. Uh, and cashews came from come from Costa Rica. I mean, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? The one thing I know about cashews, it takes a lot of water to grow one. It takes a lot of water and a lot of work. And, and you know what? I just remembered. I have a Costa Rican cookbook that I got when I lived in New Orleans back in the mid-70s. Because I went to a food festival one, one year when I lived there. And the theme was the country of Costa Rica. And I bought a cookbook. So I've used it a little bit. So I'll have to go back and revisit that. Well, maybe you would share it with your friends. I would. Perhaps I will. And Perhaps guess- I can help. Who knew that pineapples, like most of the pineapple production that we get in the U.S. comes from Costa Rica? I've been thinking Hawaii this whole time. Hmm. Now, that's good to know. I love pineapples. Yeah, and I had a lot of them. Are they used uh, as a centerpiece, as an entree, or as a side, or as a garnish, well, or all I mean, of the above? Um, yeah, all of the above, but I uh, had some great grilled pineapple, mm. and just at every meal there was there was pineapple, and that made me happy. What about the seafood? I mean, ooh, it's a, ooh, an yeah, island. Lots, lots of good seafood. Um, gosh, you know, every day, every night. Seafood, but you know, did some you of wet the, a line while you were there? I know you love to fish. Did Carol. not get to wet a line. I was too busy doing nothing, hiking. I was doing and enjoying doing nothing. But you know, Mal, while we've been gone, there has been a lot of weird food news. Yeah, yeah. Every day is full of weird food news, and I know you love it. I do, and I just wanted to tell you and our listeners that McDonald's is releasing a six-piece candle set that smells like the individual ingredients of a quarter pounder. Uh, I'm speechless. I know you are. Ketchup. Wait a minute. Wait. Pickle. Candles that are scented after a quarter pounder. Yes. Okay. Okay. Ketchup, pickle, cheese, onion, bun, and 100% fresh beef. 
now they can be all burned separately. I mean, uh-huh. if you want to put them each yeah. you know, different one yeah. in the room of your house, like you're building the, your sandwich. Yes, but they say for maximum deliciousness that you should light them all together. Well, of course they do. It's like shampoo. It says, wet your hair, lather, rinse, repeat. repeat. How do you think they sell shampoo? Yeah. And what about the guy who came up with repeat? Repeat. It's like, of course, McDonald's says burn yeah. them all at one time. Yeah. And so this is part of their new quarter pounder fan club merchandise line. So oh, rush right out. Goodness gracious. Um, I know that my granddaughter, Wren, would love to have a candle scented with ketchup. She loves ketchup. In fact, we play a game where we say ketchup telephone, ketchup microphone, ketchup carol. We just imagine everybody covered in ketchup. <laughs> that is very imaginative. Now you can get her a candle. Now, speaking of my granddaughter, today is my daughter's birthday. So if you know Zeta Mallory White Webb and you encounter her today, wish her a happy birthday and tell her how much you love her. Or sing it. But yeah. speaking of birthdays, you have a birthday coming up I next do. week. And I have been looking for weeks for just the perfect gift. And you've come up with this quarter and pounder I, no, uh, candles. No, 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 even better. <laughs> even better. Okay. I've seen you've worn Crocs before. You know, the, oh, the, the yes. shoes, uh-huh. they're great mm-hmm. and they're ugly, but and they're comfortable, great, comfortable mm-hmm. and great in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, Crocs have come up with a very original recipe. They are chicken scented Crocs. Chicken scented Crocs. It's the perfect gift for a man who has everything. Wow. But they are KFC branded Crocs. Uh-huh. 59.99 this spring. Is that spicy or regular? Uh, I think you can get either. Okay. But it comes with you know, they they have the design and the checks and everything on the shoe uh-huh. and pictures the, the, of chicken. Oh boy. But then they come you have two removable chicken scented charms that hang on the front. And so depending on your personal hygiene. Uh um, Look, this could attract an awful lot of animals. Well, I mean, if you're wearing chicken, fried chicken (laughs) scented shoes, you're going to be constantly attacked. By animals. Well, well, I was just, when I saw this, of course, I was thinking of you, and I was thinking of all the places you'd go, and people are going, What's that smell? I smell fried chicken. But the charms, the fried chicken charms are removable, so you can oh, wear them man. with or with now, without. This would be a good look to go with my my KFC hat that I wore in the parade that year. Yeah. It, the bucket. Right. I wore a bucket and I had feathers coming out the top. Yeah, this is going to be a great addition. Uh-huh. Uh, remember last year when they did the KFC fire log that smelled like fried chicken and you just you couldn't get them. They sold out in the first few days and it was impossible. And, I missed it, but I'll take well, your Well, I want it. to tell our listeners that they are available again. Oh, KFC good. logs at Walmart. Wow. So your house can smell like, like fried, fried chicken. chicken. And you don't even have to get a cast iron skillet no, out and, you don't. and put the damper you down. Don't. You can just like stink it up, bam, with a log. And yeah, the other weird news is not that weird, but uh, Lucky Charms. Yeah. Lucky Charms is making cereal, of course cereal, but also cookie dough Yeah. and, and ice cream. Wow. Wow. Lucky Charm ice cream. I know. It's beautiful. Well, 
That about wraps up the first segment of our Deep South Dining Show for today. We uh, <laughs> hope you'll stick around. We're going to take a break. As we mentioned at the very top of the show, we have a special guest who's about to join us. Leanne Galt, good friend of Carol and myself and a wonderful home cook. If you want to join the conversation with Leanne, Carol, and myself, please feel free to give us a call. This is your show. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or shoot us an email at food at mpbonline.org As I said, we're going to take a brief break be back with Carol and Leanne Galt we're going to talk about one pot cooking and home cooking a contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101 podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. We're jiving here at MPB Think Radio. And, uh, you know, more and more, it seems, Carol, that people are cooking at home. Now, that's bad for the restaurant business, but it's, I guess, good for the It's for the good home for cook. the family, and yeah. it's healthy, and it's good for your spiritual and emotional <laughs> life. And I must say, I, you know, you know that this is a fact. We cook more and more at home. Uh, just because we uh, renovated an old house and built a beautiful kitchen. And and we like to uh, get together and hang out in the kitchen and uh, cook and enjoy each other. So I got no problem with it. So we have a guest today who is a, a masterful home cook. She's the queen of home cooks the in my queen thinking. queen of home <laughs> wow. cooks. Wow. Or at least a princess. Yeah. So please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Leanne Galt. Hello, Leanne. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing well. How All are right, you? Move all? up a little bit there, close to your oh, microphone. Sorry. There you go. So, you grew up in the Delta. Is that what I, I hear? I did the whole Delta. Where? Any particular <laughs> um, my, address? Or? My dad sold farm equipment, so we started oh. in Yazoo City and then Indianola for junior high, and I graduated from Washington in Greenville. Uh huh. And, and then moved to the big city, or did you go about? I moved to Greenwood. Well. I there lived, were some stops in between. Yeah, Oxford and Athens, Georgia, and a little time in New Orleans, and then... Um, and Starkville. And Starkville. See? Yeah. You've been all over. I have. The state. I mean, you know, yeah. And of all those places, which one had the greatest culinary impact on you? Greenwood. Greenwood. Okay. And I got to know Leanne in Greenwood when we both worked for Viking Range Corporation, and Leanne was in the public relations department, and we hung out a lot and shared our passion for cooking. And, of course, a lot of people at Viking Range loved to cook. Yeah. Because we talked about it and thought about it yeah. every day. Time. And Leanne wrote a lot about it, too. So I did. when did you move out of the public relations and into the uh, instructing cooking classes? Um, well, I didn't move out. I just kind of... Moved over. It was my side hustle. Ah, okay. Yeah. So single mom and um, 
Uh, I guess, well, working with Carol, I got a lot of opportunities. I read an article in the New York Times when my kids were little that said my generation was raising a generation of chicken nugget kids. Yeah. And it scared the heck out of me. So um, with Viking and Carol, I got to travel a lot and eat food from all over. And when you come back to a small town grocery store, you can't always find coconut milk and Hmm. whatever. So I just figured, started figuring out how to cook, like let my kids taste the world in my kitchen. And then, um, I needed, you know, extra money to buy these groceries and to take care of the kids. So I worked at the cooking school. Now you started as an assistant Mm -hmm. at the cooking school and it soon became apparent that you were more than an assistant. I was going to bust out of that role. That's right. Yeah, who'd you work with, Martha Foose and others? Um, Elizabeth High School. Elizabeth High School, who's been on our show before. Yeah. I have. Um, when Martha and Donald had, uh, Martha Foose and her husband Donald had a bakery in Greenwood, the Mockingbird. And so yeah. I worked there waiting tables and then kind of um, moved back into the kitchen and cooked with Donald. Still a side hustle. And Donald's yeah. quite day, the baker. Job. He is quite the baker. Mm-hmm. And Martha's quite the She's everything quite the else. Everything else, yeah. Well, we called you a tech geek earlier <laughs> in the show, so um, tell sorry our listeners. That. Yeah, sorry, Leanne. <laughs> tell our listeners what your day job is now. Um, I work for a company called Edge Theory, um, and Joe Stradinger is the CEO, and uh, we. I'm trying to think what's the best. So we have a product called Soundboard, and. Um, we find that on social media, especially independent business people, don't know how to balance what they share on social media. And so one of the sins is to share too much about yourself. And so we, our product gives them um, articles and videos from uh, sources all over the world that they can click on and easily share to all of their social media. So it's stuff that inter- interests their customers. As so well you guide people, people <clears throat> through social media so that they aren't blundering and fumbling about trying yeah. to figure it out. We once worked together when I we was did. the director of the tourism office at Visit Mississippi, and we engaged your company, and y'all helped us a lot with our social media needs. Hope so. But Leanne, you were an early adopter of social media way before you did Edge Theory. Yeah. And I followed you because I loved your taste in music, and you always were so great every day about telling us what to listen to and yeah. now you have quite the lively facebook and instagram with your food i do i do i mean that's what you give the people what they want so people wanted more food and less music and culture well i know i give i mean i think i balance it out i still do a lot of music and um quotes i love a quote uh-huh. um but i think food connects everybody you know everyone has a food story and is interested in food, even if they don't, I mean, if they want to make a comment that it's something weird that I cooked or, you know, um, that they really like it and they want the recipe, it's just a great, it connects a whole different level. It connects people on a different level. Well, I've followed you for for years, and we really hadn't seen each other. There were some times that we really hadn't seen each other, and I I saw you developing yeah, I know, and I've always known you were a cook, but by following your social media, I said, okay, something's going on with Leanne because the cooking became more and more vibrant. You, 
you, you talked about it more. It looked like it was becoming more experimental and experiential. And so, you know, it was a good way to see what was going on, what you were developing and what your interests yeah. are. Um, yeah. And and your photography is really cool. What Do you just use your phone? I do use my phone. Um, my roommate gave me a countertop herb grower for Christmas mm-hmm. one year, and I managed to kill all the herbs immediately. But the light is great uh, for uh, so you the slip food your shots. food. Your you, you slip the dishes under that and, mm-hmm. phot- and photograph them. Oh, I was wondering how you got such good light on <laughs> yeah, there. That's how now I know. And you're <laughs> primarily Instagram and Facebook, or do you use other Instagram and Facebook? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm on Twitter, but well, tell people how they can follow you on Instagram. On Instagram, it's just L Galt, L G A U L T. Okay, if you want to see some pretty pictures of food, uh, you can you can go there. Uh, our producer Java Chapman gave us a statistic when he knew we were going to talk about home cooking, and he said in 2018, 82 percent of meals Americans ate were cooked at home, and that percentage has gone way way up. That's good. Yeah, yeah it's good and it's bad. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. the there are the restaurants. As but, Malcolm, as Malcolm has. But again, you know, I think a good balance of of cooking at home and eating out is is where we need to be. Um, I'd hate to see restaurants uh, go away. And I don't think they are. But uh, well, there's a proliferation of them. Mm-hmm. Then there's so many more choices. But in, yeah, no pun intended. But I sort of feed off of what I eat I'm, at restaurants. Uh-huh. I want to go home and remake it. So it. I was just about to say that it's a different way right. to experience and. Get new foods. Yeah, you go out and, and eat a meal, and you come home and try to replicate it, or mm-hmm. you do a twist of your own. Like this is really good, but I would have used this, or I would have gone down this trail exactly. instead of that. Yeah. So, when did you start cooking? Probably about um, six. At age six, scrambled eggs, um, popping fresh cinnamon rolls. You know, breakfast mm-hmm. on the weekend. Sugar toast at my house. Yeah, yeah you, you've been you've <laughs> been there toast. for a long time. <laughs> But when we're talking about, uh, you know, your Instagram and, and now your passion with, with food, kind of tell us how, how your week got. I mean, how do you think about food in a week? Um, about 22 hours a day. Um, I'm always planning my next meal. But um, you said I was a tech nerd. I think I'm more of a food nerd or maybe it's balanced. But uh, um, every Friday... <laughs> I sit down Friday night, I sit down with my little notepad, and I make a list of all the dishes that I want to cook for the week and map it out. And That's a pretty worn notebook. You have a whole book, yeah. notebook mm-hmm. book. I have so many of them. So, And sometimes I go back to them and look and see what I was cooking a couple of years ago that I had maybe haven't tried in a while. But I map out everything I'm going to cook and buy all the groceries and then... Um, that's Sunday that you buy groceries, that's right? Sunday that I buy groceries when everybody's at church, ah. um, and the grocery stores are quiet. Quiet. Mm-hmm. So you go on Sunday mornings. I do. So uh, yeah, and, and I hit all the grocery stores on Sunday morning too. You can't get everything in one grocery store. I've decided. So you shop every week, every mm-hmm. Sunday, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you buy enough for one week. Yes. So your whole thought process is. I'll be back next Sunday. I need to get everything that I need. Yeah. And who eats all this food? Um, I eat it, and my son, I have a 26-year-old son, Noah, 
He is was, he an eater? He is an eater. He's <laughs> six four. Um, so he is. He eats all the time. Um, he lives in a little apartment behind my house, and then I have a roommate um, that I work with too, Greg Newby. And he's an eater, luckily. So um, we go through. It gets eaten. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that this was more than just putting food on the table? That you you wanted to marry the the art with the culinary piece? Um, I, probably in, probably about, I'm going to say 10 years ago. I think I was in Greenwood. And um, really, I, as soon as cameras had phones, mm-hmm. I mean, phones had cameras, um, I started taking pictures of things that I ate, whether I was out or I was cooking. And then it just kind of, Blossomed. You're doing it at Viking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you start doing it at home. Mm-hmm. What sort of kitchen do you have? What kind of uh, gear? Do oh. you have sophisticated gear no. or just really simple gear? I have, um, yeah, I have a little electric range with a glass top. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, Not what one would think. Not what one would think. No Viking think. range at your no house. No Viking range at my house. Um, mm-hmm. But I would gladly take one yeah. if anyone <laughs> is giving them away. Uh-huh. Um, just reach out to the radio station and they can get you in touch with me, I'm sure. So after you've worked a hard day, a full and difficult day, uh-huh. you hit the door and then what happens? Like, honestly, what happens? Yes, honestly. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I go to, we don't make up lies here well, on Good ha- South Dining. I have to take my bra off immediately. So I go <laughs> to my bedroom and put on my pajamas and then I go to the kitchen and start pulling out all the ingredients for that night's meal. Pajama cooking, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. That goes on at our house. I think Sweatpants, it, pajamas, no need to wear to work cook. clothes into the kitchen. No, I kind of want to shed the whole day Yeah, and start fresh. And so you really don't sit down and rest a little while. You hit the door, put on the pajamas. Straight to the kitchen. And straight, straight to, to the, the kitchen. Because you already know what you're cooking because mm-hmm. you've got this roadmap. You've made this plan. I do. So I know what's coming. Wow. All right. It's break time, ladies. We're going to take a little break and come back, talk to Leanne Galt. When we come back, we're going to explore a style of cooking known as sheet pan cooking. And it's one of Leanne's favorites. Leanne's favorite. loves the sheet pan cooking. And we, we're going to talk all about it. So <laughs> if, you, if you know about sheet pan cooking or if you have a sheet pan recipe you want to share with us, feel free to call us. Uh, tell us what's going on in your kitchen. What kind of gear do you have? How do, how do you prepare your meals? When do you shop? What do you shop for? Do you shop for a week? Do you go to the grocery store every day? Everybody has their own way of doing this. But Carol and I will be back after this break with Leanne Galt to talk about home cooking. So if you want to join us, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or we will gladly look at an email you send us. Address to food at mpbonline.org. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. And I'm eating food right now and trying to talk and eat at the same time. We have a guest in the studio with us, Leanne Galt. And she brought this yummy dish. Leanne, would you mind 
explaining to our listeners who do not have access to this what we're eating. Well, we, um, since I'm here to talk about sheet pan cooking, or that's one of the things, it was just a um, French apple tart. So it's a pie crust with apples and cinnamon and butter, and the crust is folded up freeform, sort of on top of the sides of the pie, and it's brushed with apricot jam. We're happy you're talking because mm. we're e- eating. But what we're Don't talking, stop talking about, we're I'm happy you're eating. <laughs> sheet pan cooking. And what that is, it's, it's a phenomenon, and it's really been driven a lot by Instagram over the past few years because it makes great pictures. But it's cooking an entire meal on a sheet pan. Mm-hmm. And a sheet pan, well, what we're talking about here is an 8 by 13 pan some people would call them cookie sheets but with a with a lip yeah and a full sheet pan is what malcolm which i'll use down at the restaurant yeah that won't fit in a family oven but we're talking about a a half sheet pan pan. and then a quarter sheet pan fits great in in small ovens and sheet pan cooking is doing your whole meal in one pan the protein the vegetables Everything yep. goes into this one onto this one sheet. Do you line it with foil or not? You can sometimes. I mean, if you're do, sort of a barbecue or a sticky Asian sauce, you'd want to. But mm-hmm. the one of the um, lucky things about sheet pan cooking is you use enough fats and oils that it doesn't stick usually. So lay out a meal for us. Let's start with pull out the sheet pan and then take us through an entire meal and how long we cook it and how you season it and all of that. Okay. Um, let me think. Let's pick chicken. All right, chicken. So one of my favorite chicken dishes is Melissa Clark that's with the New York Times. And um, it's a harissa chicken and potatoes, and it's got a yogurt sauce. And um, What is harissa? Harissa is a, a Mediterranean or a Middle Eastern pepper paste. Okay. Kind of like sriracha, but not as spicy. Uh-huh. Um, and so you... Get your chick bone, um, bone in, skin on, chicken thighs, yep. and chopped or cubed potatoes. Put it in a bowl, toss it with some olive oil and some garlic and some cumin and some harissa. And while that's going on, um, you get a leek and slice it really thinly and toss it in some olive oil and lemon zest. Let me make sure that's right in my head. Yeah. Okay. And so then um, your oven's on 400, 425 degrees. You put the chicken thighs skin side up on your pan. Yep. Potatoes around it. Stick it in the oven. Um, cook it for 20 minutes, probably. And then take it out, sprinkle the leeks on top, turn it down to 375, and cook it for another probably 20, 25 minutes. So, so the way that you uh, gauge uh, the cooking time for each of the of the ingredients is by putting what needs to be cooked the longest on the pan first, mm-hmm. then second, and then you're, you're adding things uh, as you're getting toward the end of the meal. So it's not right. all put on one pan and put in the oven at exactly the same time. But no. it can be. But, but it, it can, can be. be. And uh, some of my favorite sheet pan recipes are with fish. And I always make sure I combine the fish the vegetable I use is you know, something like broccoli that only needs yeah, 10 minutes of uh, fishing, uh, fishing time, <laughs> <laughs> cooking time. And the, this, there was a trout, a uh, fillet trout that I did yeah. a lot that, that John and I like. And, you know, you put oil, the trout, and then you 
toss the you know the broccoli and you just you know throw it all in some garlic uh, uh, some, yeah. yeah. So that's because the fish cooks quicker than, say, the yeah, chicken. And so cook, it depends and it on like your protein. 10, if you're going to use protein, and yeah. certainly there are many vegetarian options, yeah. I'm sure, to yeah. this. Tofu pan so. cooking is also good. Mm-hmm. I've not tried tofu pan cooking. But, my, but the fish only takes, just depending on the thickness, from 10 to 12 mm-hmm. minutes. And then, you know, the beautiful thing is you get your spatula, you put your fish on the plate, put your vegetables around, and that's it. And you only have one pan to clean. And do we think this is being driven by millennials or are older people like myself also coming to, to sheet pan cooking? You have a whole cookbook there on sheet pan there, cooking. There are so many cook pans on sheet so many cookbooks <laughs> on sheet pan cooking, y'all. So it is how long would you say this phenomenon has been around and to the to the point where people would publish cookbooks about it? Well, I guess, you know, we've always cooked on sheet pans, but um this whole meal Phenomenon, um, probably twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. three years. Yeah, just a it few really years, started yeah. gaining traction. Um, and and Instagram is one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest um, drivers yeah. of it. I think I think it's exponentially. The searches for sheet pan cooking have just grown exponentially, and we call it the it's the millennials version of the old. One pot one cooking, because mm-hmm. yeah. they lo- they love beautiful food. And if you go on Pinterest and put mm-hmm. in sheet pan cooking, you You'll will find literally find hundreds and um, hundreds of, of of recipes. Well, I mean, or, or pictures. Yeah. But I did want to say when you were talking about vegetables, that it's very important to cut the vegetables consistently. Consistent, yeah, the same size. When you're doing this, so you have you know really even. Even cooking and your dense vegetables like you were talking about potatoes mm-hmm. or winter squashes like butternut take um, longer a lot you know a lot longer do you mix your roots like potatoes and carrots and and maybe uh, turnips do you do you usually mix those or do you just pick one no you can mix them mm-hmm. it just depends on what I'm cooking but yeah um I do uh, like winter or acorn squash and rutabaga and sweet potato, and I'll cook all You'll that together. You'll mix all those together. together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they take a little longer, I guess. Yeah. So so typically, does the protein take the longest, or do you add the root vegetables and the protein at the same time? It depends. Um, what kind of protein? If you're doing something like a bone-in chicken thigh or breast or, um, I don't know, I guess a big, thick piece of meat that would take longer, um, you can put it on when you put on the root vegetables but if you're doing fish or boneless skinless chicken breast you're going to do your vegetables first and then put the protein on and you wouldn't do a steak this way would you or would you um because you can have a lot of uh of fat and oil coming off is, is that one that you would use in a one sheet pan? I, I have done some sheet pan steak cooking um and it's good it's uh because you want um one of the big benefits to sheet pan cooking especially like with chicken you get all that schmaltz all that um chicken fat that the vegetables sort of roll around in and sauna themselves it's you know nice (laughs) and tender and um a steak will do the same thing i am um you know i'm a pan loyalist though when it comes to steak i like cast iron really yeah 
So you're a cast iron steak cooker. I am a cast iron. Unless steak you cooker. go outside. Unless I go outside, but mm-hmm. even then, I'll go outside and come back in and cook it on. Well, the cast tell iron. us how you cook a steak in a cast iron skillet. Um, I salt and pepper the steak really well, and put a little vegetable oil in the skillet, get it hot, sear it probably two to three minutes on each side, and um, then I put in, once I flip it, I put in about half a stick of butter and three... um, Only a half a stick. Only half a stick (laughs) and three um, like sprigs of thyme and a couple of smashed garlic cloves and kind of spoon the butter over the steak while it finishes cooking, and then I can stick it in the oven if it's a really thick steak. And put a little chopped parsley on the top? I don't. I do. That's French style. Well, and I wanted to remind y'all on sheet pan cooking, it's best to use herbs that are, you know, woody and can stand up. Like rosemary. Yeah, like, Mm. like rosemary and thyme, bay leaves and sage, because parsley and basil get brown and yucky yes but like malcolm does we can sprinkle it on at the end yeah that's right that's i love the way though that's called a bold addition a bold (laughs) addition i love the way the parsley and the butter camp out together all right it's time for a break we're going to come back with carol and leanne galt talk about home cooking and talking about the old sheet pan cooking and then we're going to talk about something we just barely brought up and that's the cast iron cooking if you want to join us old time that's right (laughs) And who has their grandmother's cast iron skillet? We'll talk about that when we come back. I know I do. If you want to join the, the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. Our special guest today is Lee Ann Galt. Welcome back, Lee Ann. Thanks. It's great to be here. I see you combing through your cookbooks over there. I'll have a good book. Yeah. It's a great thing to do on a break. That's right. Everybody should carry them around with them. All right. Uh, As we were going into break, we we brought up the topic of cast iron skillets and who has their family heirloom skillet and who does not. And why would you not use your grandmother's versus going to the store and buying a new one, which they seem to sell more at hardware stores than anywhere else. Yeah, but, it, but it's moving mainstream. I mean, 20 years ago, it was just hardware stores carrying a few, mm-hmm. and it's like what is old is new again. And I want to know, Malcolm, whose cast iron skillet you have? I have my uh, grandmother Stewart's. Um, uh, I wished I had all of my grand, all three of my grandmother's uh, cast iron skillets, but I only have uh, Vastai Stewart's, my maternal grandmother's, which. I'm happy to have it for sure. In fact, we cooked on it the other night. I whipped it out. I can't remember what we cooked, but it was fun. I was telling Kara the story about my grandmother and all the meals that I'd eaten from it, and uh, I had been fortunate enough to get it. How about you? I have my grandmother Helen Todd's cast iron skillet. Helen was from Hattiesburg. But I wrote a story 
a number of years ago for the Everyday Gourmet newsletter at the time, and it was called She Got the Jewelry, I Got the Skillet. (laughs) And when my grandmother (laughs) passed away, I got the skillet. And for me, it was better than getting getting jewelry. How about you, Leanne? Um, I have my grandmother, uh, Lenore Vaughn's, and she grew up in Hattiesburg, too, but I have her skillet that then my mother had, and now I have it. Well, guess what? My grandmother grew up in Hattiesburg also. I bet that maybe she they was knew a bush. each other. She was a bush, and she married my grandfather, Malcolm Stewart, and moved to Wiggins. But cast iron is so wonderful because it's totally forgiving, but it holds heat like nothing else. It can go from the stovetop to the oven to the, the table, mm-hmm. and it just cooks mm-hmm. good. Well, you know, my brother, Brad, uh, up in... Uh, Franklin, Tennessee, works on weekends at a restaurant called Cool Cafe, and they have sort of the meat-and-three-type sandwiches and salads during the week. But on weekends, on Friday and Saturday night, they do steak. They do a steak menu, and, that, and, and that's when Brad works. He works just on the weekends. But they cook all of their steaks in cast iron skillets, and it's kind of their forte. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's become quite a thing for, for, for the business in that part of the world. And, you know, the big deal with cast iron is it ha- has to be – Seasoned and um, or in reseasoned if if somebody gets hold of it, but you know the big thing is not to wash it with soap and water, and never uh, put it in the dishwasher. Never. And I found something on my my uh, Twitter feed a few weeks ago, and a woman wrote in and said somebody put my cast iron in the dishwasher. And I might break off our engagement. Oh, <laughs> good idea? Question mm. mark. And then somebody wrote back and said, so, uh, "This guy was named Straight Out of Boise. One of our kids washed the cast iron with soap, and we had to put him up for adoption. Miss, <laughs> <laughs> miss him, but the skillet had been in the family for generations." <laughs> Comment, Leanne. Um, yes, I totally agree. My children are sort of terrified to touch the cast iron. Um, so they'll clean up the, and my roommate too, they'll clean up the kitchen and um, everything's done except for the cast iron is still on they the stove. They leave that for they you. They leave that for me. No, now, how many sizes do you have of cast iron? I have, well, I have two like 11 and three quarters and I have uh, probably a 10 inch and then... There's the long oblong, probably four or five. Four or five. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah. I really only have two. I have the little well, small I have, one for Yeah, I have four skill. I mean, I have four. I have a little eight inch. I have a six inch, eight inch, ten inch, and twelve inch, and others I've inherited uh, along the way. But you know, to clean them, you just want to wash them out with water. You know, first you wipe everything out, and mm-hmm. then wash them down with water, and be sure you you. You dry it. Uh, really but, you know, well. Another thing we should mention is cast iron has, through the years, been known also as a killing weapon. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, ha- it has it's, been. It's a handy, handy, yeah. uh, heavy weapon. In fact, uh, our, our uh, field reporter, Bill Ellison, uh, has, has come to us today with a report coming out of Hilton Head Island. Uh, a story written by David Lauderdale entitled How to Get Yourself Killed with a Cast Iron Skillet. <laughs> this is Bill Ellison reporting. If killing was on her mind, she should have used the black iron skillet. 
Our recent headline told the sad story. Burton lunch preparations go awry over skillet dispute. A woman told deputies her son held her down during an argument that started while he was grilling, the story read. The son used a cast-iron skillet that the woman said she had seasoned and did not want to clean again instead of a new pan he had purchased. He told deputies his mother threatened to get a gun and kill him. Surely, no jury of our low country peers have Teflon hearts so cold they would convict someone for defending a cast-iron skillet seasoned just right. Skillets have always been a matter of life and death. They say the stuff we fry and simmer in them will clog our arteries, damage our hearts, and kill us all. If that were true, my family would have been wiped out generations ago, legs up on the kitchen floor like possums on a country road. And besides, where is the sting of death by gravy? When I pass on to the other side, I hope people stand around the kitchen sharing tasty little morsels of information about the actual death. They said he died sipping one last saucer of red-eye gravy. It was right out of the skillet. That's just the way he would have wanted to go. They ought to bury him with that skillet. One time he took his family, tiny kids and all, off for hurricane evacuation. And you think he took the insurance papers? Nope. The only thing he took from the house was that number 10 Wagner Ware iron skillet he bought in Ridgeland when they were married 40 years ago. He had it seasoned just right. He's up there with Granny right now, looking down on us, scraping that skillet clean with a cat head biscuit. Cast iron skillets also are used right often as a murder weapon. This is probably not as the Lord intended it to be. But it's a case of just desserts if the killing is because some yahoo is messing with a skillet seasoned just right, which, oh, by the way, can take a generation or two. Not any old pan can put the perfect crunchy crust on cornbread, then turn around and serve up shrimp gumbo smooth as baby okra. Not any old pan is always there with a little bacon or fried chicken when life goes awry. Not every skillet demands so much attention and fuss. Our crow's feet lives end up being seasoned right along with our skillets. A bond is formed like a hunter and a bird dog. Mess with it at your own risk. If killing was on her mind, she should have used the black iron skillet. And that's our field reporter, Bill Ellison, reporting on this Monday morning. That's hilarious. (laughs) But it's so true. I mean, it's been a weapon of choice, you know, through the ages for many a killing. It is. I told you that one quote that was um, uh, William S. Burroughs that said, no one owns life, but anybody who has a, a heavy frying pan owns death. Oh, even William Burroughs knows. All right, we got a caller. We got Kathy calling from Madison. She's got something to share about mushrooms, I believe. Hello, Kathy. Hey there. How you doing? I'm good. Um, and I have threatened my husband with my cast iron skillet before too. So, um, anyway, I was in the I was in the woods yesterday, and I found a lion's mane mushroom about the size of a softball. And I brought it home, and now I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> a lion's mane mushroom. Let's pass the buck on this one. <laughs> I did get ID confirmation. Uh, so um, my husband says he's not eating that thing. I'm not going to kill him with a mushroom. So um, so any suggestions on how to cook it? Uh, I hate for it to go to waste since I did pick it. How so, big is it, Kathy? Um, how big is this thing? Well, it's, 
It's about the size of a softball. Okay. A shaggy. It's a shaggy mushroom. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to come out first and, and say slice it and grill it. Mm. Yep. Or saute it yeah. in a cast iron skillet. Yeah, well, saute I think the butter. first question, is this an edible mushroom? <laughs> yes. Le- yes. Leanne and I are busy looking at it. Y'all, y'all are a, doing some quick research here. It's a yeah. beautiful thing, yeah, I well, take it. It's supposed to be edible, and I did get an idea on the mushroom group on Facebook that it is a lion's mane, which is edible. Yeah, so you've done your your research. It's just that your husband is not so certain. (laughs) Yeah, he he's not he's not in on the cooking cooking it. So um, anyway, uh, I didn't know I didn't know whether to go ahead and give it a go. I hear I hear they taste like lobster. Yeah, that's what I just read. Well, now you you can't. Kathy, you can't blame this man for being skeptical about you cooking oh, a mushroom after you've threatened him with your cast iron skillet. Absolutely. I know. I don't blame him. All right. Well, so. we will uh, We will now go to our experts, and they will just give you some general cooking information yes. on, on mushrooms. Carol? Straight from the Internet. <laughs> um, well, it, Thank you, it, it did. Yeah, it did confirm my first advice is to slice it into steaks and cook it slowly with butter and pepper. Um, here's another one. Put the whole head in the smoker. Uh, uh-huh. and, and another one is to saute it. It does say it's lobstery and striated like a chicken breast. I would also saute it and make pasta, put a little butter and t- I love a mushroom mm-hmm. and yeah. pasta. What or do make you think, a big, Leanne? How about a big pot of mushroom soup? There you go, that Malcolm. Would be good. Make it like a lobster Chowder, like a bisque, but with, mm-hmm. or lobster chowder bisque mm-hmm. with the mushroom, and uh, I agree with Carol about sautéing it, but with pasta, um, definitely with like a butter, treat it like you would lobster, I guess. You know, sauté it, throw it in some pasta with a bunch of butter and tarragon, and go to town. Women, mm. it says it's it's used in traditional Chinese medicine and Kathy good for you it says it's brain food did it say brain booster so there you go I I could use some extra brain cells where did you find it Kathy generally it was was in the woods um, over in Madison I was actually out looking for a puppy we're trying to catch I'm a dog rescuer but that's another story Um, so um Anyway, I just stumbled across it and was like, oh, my God, that's a lion's mane mushroom. Wow. And brought it home and then was like, what do I do with it now? You know, Put it in cast uh, iron. Yep, immediately. Yeah, eat that thing. Cut off the foot where it was attached to the tree and cook it up. Yeah. Thanks for calling. We appreciate you listening and calling in to talk to us about this found mushroom in the Madison Woods. <laughs> Well, Leanne, thanks so much for coming in and sharing that beautiful tart and uh, your information. And your. And once again, tell folks where they can follow you on Instagram and see your great ph- photography and your recipes. At L. Galt, G-A-U-L-T. L. Galt. L. Galt. Great. Carol, it's been another fun day of talking about food in the Deep South here. It certainly has, I'm and I'm hoping I know that, Le- that Leanne invites <laughs> us over for dinner soon. I will. <laughs> All right, that about does it for today. That's our show. We appreciate you listening. Uh, We appreciate uh, certainly our producer, Java Chapman. Deep South Dining is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded by generous contributors like yourself. Please join us every Monday at 9 o'clock. Carol Puckett and myself right here for Deep South Dining. Now stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy for Health and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell.